Welcome to Talking Sense, the podcast where we discuss all things detection dogs. Broadcasting from Sense City, Las Vegas, and the Silver State Canine Training Center, your host, Cameron Ford. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Canine's Talking Sense. I'm your host, Cameron Ford. I am now back in Las Vegas at Sense City at the Silver State Canine Training Center. Just got back from my trip at HITS in Chicago. What an amazing conference. So nice to catch up with old friends and make some new ones and share lots of information when it comes to uh, training and detection and science and all kinds of great stuff. So while I was out there, I recorded some various episodes. This episode in particular is actually a mashup or collaboration between Canines Talking Sense and the guys from Working Dog Radio. Both Eric and Ted are on this episode. We are going to drop our episodes together. Uh, on this episode, we spend time talking about tracking, and it's the first time on Canines Talking Sense that we have incorporated a tracking episode. There will be more tracking episodes coming up. Uh, in addition to some uh, search and rescue and cadaver episodes in the near future as well. So stay tuned for those. While there, we kind of cover different experiences, things we've been through as uh, police officers, uh, things we've seen uh, when it comes to training and so forth. So with that said, I hope you guys enjoy the episode. Remember, if you need to reach out to me, send me an email. Ford at SilverStateK9.com, F-O-R-D at SilverStateK, the number nine, dot com. Okay, hope you guys enjoy the episode. Hey, this is Cameron out here at HITS with Canines Talking Sense. This gets to be a fantastic episode where it's a mashup between this podcast and Working Dog Radio. I get to have both Eric and Ted here on Working Dog Radio mixed in with this podcast, and we're going to talk about tracking and some of the things that we've seen in tracking. But first, I want to introduce each of you guys. So, Ted, I'll let you kind of kick it off, and then we'll kick it over to Eric. I am Ted Stickles, if you follow me on Facebook. My actual name is Ted Summers. So um, I've actually gotten paperwork with Ted Stickles on it before, so <laughs> you can call me that too. Uh, it's, it's stuck around since high school, so uh, I'll take it. Uh, I co-own Torchlight Canine, co-own Torch, or, uh, HRD Police Canine, and co-own uh, Working Dog Radio. Uh, we used to own uh, Working Dog Dry Goods, and uh, Alicia has since sold it. Oh. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's been uh, it's been a wild ride. I've been in canine for just over a decade. Uh, my partner and mentor is an old grumpy ass seventh group guy. Um, it's kind of like a older angry uncle <laughs> taught me a lot about what we're going to talk about today. So yeah, other than that, I'm just the I'm just the podcast host. <laughs> so you've been staying busy out there, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, with, with with yourself over there at uh, your business and and uh, working with a lot of the different agencies and from yep. your area for sure. And then now that we have Mr. Eric over here retired, oh, so yeah. to speak. Yeah, sort of. <laughs> I think you're busier now than you actually were when you were doing it. Yeah, it's different busy, but it's fun. Uh, less, uh, there's, there's still the stress, stress of, of the overhead, but there's uh, blood pressure, you know, less blood pressure and that type of thing working for myself. So, But anyways, I'm Eric Stambro. I am the owner of Van S Canine in Canton, Ohio, um, on the Working Dog Radio podcast with Ted and co-owner of 
the uh, HRD Police Canine with uh, Ted, Alicia, and our buddy Ray. So we travel around, do scenario-based training and things like that. And then I do pet dogs also and working dogs. So it's very busy. And I have a doggy daycare. Yeah, I would say seeing your, <laughs> your social media feed and how busy you stay doing all that stuff is, yeah, yeah I don't know. You almost were better off staying, running around a patrol car, training yeah. dog handlers yeah, all the time. right. So, and, and for the audience, the, you know, uh, these guys have had me on their show and we've always stayed in uh, contact with each other throughout uh, the past, you know, couple years now. Eric and I shared a uh, common uh, contract job that we had with the Navy, uh, working with the Navy SEAL program, and that kind of bonded us in the sense that we, we've been that community, saw some of the things that we saw within that world, and got to, you know, take lessons we've learned there and apply them also uh, with helping and working with uh, the civilian sector. Um, and in those conversations, we've kind of worked into tracking. And uh, this podcast has had a lot of uh, discussions on detection and, and things like that. And I wanted to spend some time uh, opening the door up to search and rescue, tracking, and cadaver. So this episode, I wanted to get with uh, both Eric and Ted and kind of discuss some tracking. Now, Eric and I have had conversations, and I wanted to kind of bring that up now, um, with regards to tracking. So Eric, I'll kick it to you. We're kind of talk about what you've seen in the industry on law enforcement when it comes to tracking. And you know, we know there's some big differences between the urban and rural aspects. So I kind of let you kind of cover some of that. Yeah, you know, so... Uh, before I retired, my full-time assignment at my police department was just training dogs. And um, the Police Canine Association, which is a 501c3 that I was the head trainer for, uh, has the Canton guys, and then which is an urban area, and then um, guys from a lot of rural sheriff's departments. So we track every training day we're, we're doing tracking. And so now I have to mix it. I have, I have to do it both. I... A lot of the urban guys, we work them in rural settings and rural guys in urban settings and then kind of, you know, mix it up. Um, tracking is a perishable skill for sure. Yeah. And the easiest thing for the handlers to really interfere with, like really screw up. Um, me included. When I, was a, when I was a handler before, I, so I worked four dogs on the road. Um, the first two, I was a handler. And then I became the trainer for the last two. And um, I started realizing, man, I sucked. Like I sucked as I did everything wrong as a, as a handler, um, and uh, all the shit that I yell at dudes for and like want to <laughs> horse whip them for that yeah. type of stuff. But I now am, in my opinion, anyways, and my results uh, prove it. I am really good at training tracking dogs, and we have a very high rate of success at the Canine Association. Um, one of the things that people would be surprised to learn is I didn't do a ton of hard surface tracking for our urban dogs. Uh, we did some, I, I did more crossing, like crossing roads, like going from a backyard grass, crossing a street, fishing that line out, finding if the guy crossed the road or things like that. But I really taught odor pooling. Wind, what does wind do? What? Do, where does it go? Pay attention, use your face, feel the wind, throw the grass, all that stuff. Become a connoisseur of wind, so to speak. And um, where the it pulls up on the curbs and it pulls up in the, the fence line. And and sure, I did, I like doing the uh, the spray bottle, not not send it up, but just a spray, water spray bottle and then scuff across and would hold it in there for a little bit. Um, and the guy could see, you know, if we're trying to trying to work that way. 
But then my guys working Canton in the inner city, we I'm telling you, very little specific hard surface tracking, and we were destroying fools on tracks. We just got one the other night, a track with a bite from a stolen car or traffic stop or something. And uh, my guys on midnights especially, like my one guy, Ryan, had his first dog, probably 175 bites when his dog retired. A hundred of those were from tracks, urban tracks. Because urban tracks, unless you're in New York or or here, it's going to be a mixture, backyards, yards, you know, grass. It just just is a mixture. It's not straight, true urban. Not like L.A. or someplace like that, you know. So... We kind of do the odor pooling, and it was really, really good success. And then, urban, you know, is a is a whole other ordeal. Oh yeah, and it brings up, and either one of you guys can answer this one: the great debate in the tracking world, trailing versus tracking. <laughs> so we have a dog in my local area that um, we bred and raised and trained and sold him to a task force one team up in the St. Louis area. Um, he kept biting evaluators, so uh, FEMA kind of rounds on that. So now he's a patrol dog. But um, he is probably one of the most successful tracking and or trailing dogs I've ever seen. A lot of that comes down to the definition of what we're doing. Um, some dogs naturally will keep their head down and do footstep, footstep, track, 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 track. Other dogs will do the whole lift their head up and look and confirm everything else. I tend to fall back to kind of when I teach building searches the same way, dogs hunt three ways, sight, sound, and smell, an order of difficulty. So sight is easiest, smell, or, you know, then sound, and then, and then odor, right? So at its core, we're asking a dog to find human odor, which is always weird to me when a guy comes out and they're like, oh, he's really great at building searches, but he can't track. It's like, because you don't track, dickhead. So it, it's kind of, it's the same odor. And, you know, so whether it's a tracking or whether it's a trailing dog, to me is inconsequential. And, to me, it is still, I think a dog has to have both skills. They have to know how to do both. They should know how to do both because in certain environments, in certain environmental situations, a trail is going to be a much more efficient method of finding somebody than having to have a fucking footstep to footstep. You've got to you know, count the footsteps of this dude. So at its core, our job is to find people. And so much of that has to do with handler input or lack of input, as Eric likes to say it, and letting them work. And, you know, we talk a lot, and I've heard you talk about it, about handlers reading dogs. And, you know, when I yell at my handlers during detection school, right, that's why I make them use a 15-foot line. I'm like, tell me what you're seeing. Like, what change in behaviors you're seeing, everything else. And during tracking, that is of an utmost importance. Like, how do we know when we're getting close? And like you said, it's a perishable skill. And, you know, dogs equate multiple successes over time just like they do with detection training so you get a badass dog that tracks really well with a handler that knows what he's doing and they've got multiple finds and successes the dog will fall back on previous successes in the forest. so the last hundred times he's come to a road and he's found odor and the dogs start to figure out well fuck i've always found it this way near a fence like we had a dog last month by to do they track down an alleyway hard surface track dog comes to a fence and is like in the past i know that i've got odor near a fence go straight to the fence start dragging the fence finds a hole nukes a dude on the other side of the hole and so but it is it, it, like they learn the same way it's the exact same principles at its fundamental um base of teaching tracking that I use for detection. Yeah. So, or that I use, yeah, that I use for tracking. You, you so. brought up something that was pretty funny. So as a cop, me and my best friend, and he had just got promoted to the canine sergeant, but we had been handlers together and trainers together and stuff like that. And we had gotten two new dogs. 
And our first dogs, we were training the typical footstep to footstep, food in each heel, perfect, you know, dirt fields, all that kind of stuff. And his new dog, now he had a German Shepherd, nice dog, and and mine was very similar. And then we get the we got we got a Malinois, and he got a Dutch Shepherd. And the energy level, obviously, between the dogs that we had in the past and those dogs were very different. And the guy from Holland that brought the dogs to us, you know, showed us the way he kind of incorporated tracking, which was more article to article kind of concept, allowing the dog to do what it does. So my friend, he's a Tennessee country boy, you know, was very good with animals naturally. And he kind of looked at what we were doing in the past and that we had this new dog and he's on his own kind of doing things. He's like, hey, I think I got this figured out. Um, hey, you know, I'm doing it this way. I'm kind of doing the article thing more so than I'm doing the footstep to footstep thing. I'm like, dude, you're going to miss turns. You're going to do all this kind of stuff. He goes, He's like, I, I just think it's a bunch of shit. I think that you know the dog knows what's best to do. Why am I going to get in his way and make yes. him do something? He goes, and I'm like, I don't know. I think you need to you know, be more precise. And he goes, how about this? You go off. Let's just pretend we got a perimeter right now. And he gave me some street names. He goes, you can go wherever you want in this, in this block, and I'll go find you. So I lay this elaborate track. I go down a roadway. I go behind a business. This business happened to have a koi pond behind it with a bridge. I go over the bridge and I jump the fence and I ended up in a spot where I could kind of see uh, where he started from anyway. So I, you know, we let our time go by and business back. We had Nextel. So I hit him on the Nextel. Okay, I'm in place. So he's like, all right. And I see him start like 10 minutes later. So he starts his track and I see him take off the general direction I went. And then maybe five minutes later, I hear this crushing through the, the bushes and it's kind of behind me. I see him, he comes up and he's like, ah, gotcha, bitch. And I was like, ha ha, you missed half the track because I didn't go that way. He goes, what the fuck do I care about half the track? I found you, that's my job. <laughs> yeah. So, and I kind of had the realization of, damn, he's right. The, you know, he goes, I said, but what about the articles I put out? He goes, I don't care. My first job is putting you in jail if you're, you're my criminal and I'm looking for you. He goes, if I need to go find the evidence later on, I'll go find the evidence later on. He's like, you know that. And I was like, damn, he's kind of right. Mm-hmm. So that was my enlightening moment going from being so precision, precise, going from the sport world, because that was the guy that trained us, had a, a heavy sporting background. And though that tracking is, is good for the points and things like that, it wasn't practical for what we did. And then now that we had been on, you know, he had a little bit more experience than I did, but being on the road a little bit longer, kind of knew, hey, I need my dog to use whatever is best for it. And when he started the track, what had happened was the dog caught the airborne scent of me broke from the track and just drug him through the woods. And that's exactly what, at the end of the day, if you're, you know, you've got to find somebody, that dog should use the best resources to it. So, Ted, your example there hit home on that fact that as you said that, I was like, oh, yeah, I got that story. Mm-hmm. But I know, Eric, you know, being in where you're at, uh, where you came from, that had to be a, a common thing to deal with, which was dealing with, you know, that environment. You couldn't always go where the person went. Right. I, um, and I, I, I agree with Ted. Uh, I believe it's a combination of tra- of tracking and and trailing. If I am when I start training a tracking dog, I'm training just tracking as best as I can get the dog to do it. Um, and then once I, I find that once I start doing area searches for for bad guys, the trailing starts to come, and then the dog starts util- utilizing yeah. both. And so years ago, when I was just a handler in my first handler school, we we took a trip to DC. Um, to hang out with the DC canine guys. And um, we were at the Pentagon on a Saturday or Sunday, and we met a guy who's a security guard there, and he was a uh, bloodhound guy, and wrote an article that was on um, the USPCA website. Like, this is 2004. 
2005. So it had been on the website since like 2000. And it was on the front page of the website and it was about uh, reading negatives on your dog, okay? So the dog telling you where the guy is not. Yeah. Yep. So... Uh, so I was reading that. I was like, oh, man, that's really cool. But yeah. one of the things he talks about in the thing, which isn't a negative, in his article is your dog, so you're going along, you're going northbound, and your dog keeps going, and he picks his head up and looks to the west and then goes back down, picks his head up and looks to the west again and looks to the west again, and you can kind of tell the wind is coming from that direction a little bit. Your guy went left. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> At some point. At some point he went left or your, yep. your, your perimeter dude's right there. Yeah. So it is absolutely, but you got to know how to read that and you got to, you got to be able to see that. And, um, the other big mistake that guys make too is their dog is tracking just because his nose is not buried in the grass. Yeah. Especially high grass. He doesn't need to be. No. Just go with it. We want him to find the human odor. The human odor isn't always on the ground. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Uh, especially in higher grass um, and things like that. But the dog, it, it is a combination. Mm -hmm. it, it absolutely. And I, I'm telling you, I am uh, disturbed earth, food. Mm -hmm. I don't do, when I, even when I start, I don't do every single footstep. Mm -hmm. I'm about every couple. Mm -hmm. But um, it's still just, I'm trying to teach this dog to track human odor. Mm -hmm. They know how to track. Yes. They will. They have that natural ability to hunt. Right. Yeah. So I'm just teaching them what to hunt. Yep. That 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 this odor is permissible. Yep. You know to to follow and um, so yeah, it's definitely both. It's, it, in the urban environment, it's a lot of. Tra I mean, you're going to track and turn into mm -hmm. an area search if you got a good perimeter. Yeah. We're tracking up into a series of backyards. You got it. We're going to say yard to yard. Just get that get yep. that line out there and yep. hunt this fucker down, man. Yep. Let the dog. We just do did that. Thing. The episode we just uploaded with Jake or with uh, Jack Shanley from LAPD. He was a canine handler, but then became he was a tactical air advisor and then a pilot. And his stories about tracking people. And his deal is like he literally wrote the book on high on uh, perimeter and containment and like apprehending fleeing suspects. And his stories are fucking crazy about like people hiding in weird spots and not people not trusting the dogs. And then all of a sudden you start using the dog. And I mean, it's and the handlers are like, and as a handler, this is something too. If you should, you're probably never the first one there, but you show up. And this happened to my guys quite often. And the the information you're given from the primary is not always correct. No. And the dog, <laughs> if, 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 correct, if yeah. your dog, if your dog is good and you are good and you have a ton of success tracking and they're like, he went this way and the dog says, no, I went this, the, and listen to the fucking dog. Don't listen to them. And you can get yourself into some trouble doing that. Um, we've had, we, I have multiple stories of my guys showing up and they're like, oh, he went to the east and the dog goes west and he's like, all right, well, are you sure or what? <laughs> like, so. Yeah, no, I can't tell you how many times, you know, we've been out on a perimeter doing whatever and we're on our way walking back. And sure enough, the dog pulls off and the handler's like, um, hold on a second. And 10 feet, 20 feet from where we started from, uh, because the initial information given by the first responding officer was, oh, he ran this way. So we deploy the dog, dog's casting around, and we're, you know, kind of like you said a second ago, going yard to yard, checking things, and dog's not really showing much, but you're out there giving it a, a good college effort there, and on the way back, all of a sudden, boom, the dog pulls and drags you, like I said, 20 feet from the vehicle, and the guy's been sitting there the entire time. Yeah. And he can't go anywhere, because you happen to be right where you parked, so they're stuck there, and they don't know where you're at, but it, it, the biggest thing that we, that we always talked about was trust the dog you know let the dog thing and the thing you brought up a minute ago about the negatives is would we would be given 
information, hey, he ran this way. And sometimes it's solid, but other times, even when it was pretty solid, we would still cast the dog kind of around just to see if there was anything that they would be, boom, take off to. Um, because we just knew, as we talked about, you know, because when you talk to the officer later on, they would be like, well, I saw him go that way, but then I turned around to go back to my car to grab this or whatever. And then, of course, the person backtracked on them and they don't know it. So the, our mentality was, okay, take the dog out, cast it around kind of like in a larger circle just to see if we cut anything. And if the person's information was right, the usually dog would take off on the way. But we didn't want to start exactly where he said just because we knew through lessons learned that wasn't the thing to do. And another thing that you guys bring up is it was a funny conversation was we got a whole wrapped up in that label tracking and trailing. And that same conversation I had with my friend that night, he goes, because I said his dog, I said, well, his head was up and he was doing, he's like, you know, tracking, trailing, I don't give a fuck what you call it, it's manhunting. At the end of the day, I'm hunting somebody down. He goes, so I don't want to get told I have to do this or I have to do that. The dog will dictate what that is. But what takes me to this next question is the handler bias part. Oh, Eric. So I was just say, I know, Eric, you have a, some things that you talk about, but I talk about handler bias a ton in detection dogs right. and how our perception or what we think we're going to go search is directly has a, a chance to influence what that dog does. And tracking is no different in the sense that a bias can drastically affect a, a, how a dog works on a track. So uh, go ahead with that one, Eric. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the handlers, uh, human beings, are, are the problem with the tracking. Um, I have a buddy down in Cincinnati, PD. He will, he will if, you keep in, if you keep trying to outguess your dog and think that you're the important part of the thing, he will tie a... Uh, a tire to the leash and tell your dog to track and you stand there and watch your dog do a beautiful fucking track oh, you're yeah. standing there you're just the tire that's it dude <laughs> so tire but oh, we have um you know handlers want to outthink the dog and again like i said i did a lot of that man i did i didn't have a ton of successes with my first dog comparatively to everybody else um i remember training one of my guys and it's it was a uh, class with just him and it was a replacement dog and I, I long track, like a mile and a half, two mile track. And I go up on this hill where I can see him. And I'm watching him track, and the dog's tracking. And because I came around from a kind of a, a, a tight into a big open field. And I went diagonally right in the biggest part of the field. And, um, but I had done the track before and, and hugged a tree line, and everything. So the dog's tracking, and the handler's looking over. Looking, looking around, looking in the neighborhood, and he's he is trying to fuck this thing. But what he's not doing, what he's not paying attention, his dog's tracking yeah. right where I went. And I see the handler <clears throat> literally look at his dog, shrug his shoulders, and just go with him. That was a such a turning point for that dude in his in his tracking career. Now he's got it. He's crushing people with tracking but he just had to in theory close his eyes because he was overthinking it um but one of the things that um a real a case that happened my last year on the job um we had a, it was day shift and they had a homicide and they gave the description as a light skin or, or a white male a white male running jumped the fence into a schoolyard and ran across the schoolyard um so my handler I didn't know anything that was going on. He can't, he called me after it was over and he was very frustrated. He said, everybody is killing it and tracking and I ain't getting shit and I'm not getting nothing. He's got a really good dog. So he tells me the story. She's tracking this person. Turns out to be a black, light skinned black female. She murdered her husband. Um, but 
it tracks right to the fence, the school fence. And he's like, there's no way she went over this. Yeah. Uh, well, no way. Uh, yeah. Because they would have called from the school because they were on recess. Uh, they would have called if a guy, and they thought it was a guy, running through there with a gun, they would have called. But they didn't see him or they didn't call. And so he keeps trying to cast left and right and left and the dog keeps going back to the same spot, the same spot. He put the dog up because he's like, you're oh, no. fucking me. You're wrong. Yeah. He did not go over this fence. Well, then they're like, yeah, he, he did. He ran right through here, right, right over the fence or right through there. So then they catch him. I think they catch him or whatever, but they're trying to figure out. Uh, they, somebody saw the girl walking by the hospital, and then they catch her without the gun. So he's going to go back with his dog and try to article search for the gun. He gets up by the hospital. He's like, there's no way she came this close to the school. No way. They would call us. Mm -hmm. Who would do that? Yeah. They found the gun in the bushes next to the entry to the emergency room, like five feet from the emergency room. So I'm like, okay, we got to take you out of the equation here. Yeah. You're, you have lost it. Mm -hmm. Like, um, So I came up with a... A thing for my guys, and it's a. Uh, I make them. I do a straight track. It's not nothing hard, and um, and and then I have them go around the corner. It's actually one of the few that I actually do bites on, um, and I will have them uh, put a blindfold on. And as soon as the dog starts to track, and they can see he's tracking, they pull the blindfold down. Now you have to have a, a proctor with them because they'll run right into a fucking tree, or fall on a curb or whatever. Um, but what? It, and every, when I came up and told everybody we we're going to do that, they were rolling their eyes at me because I'm like, Ted, we come up with some fucked up stuff for <laughs> training day. And they're like, now what? Yeah. So they're rolling their eyes at me. But what happens is when they got done, they're like, that was one of that. I actually got a lot out of it because trainer or tra uh, handlers over time develop bad habits. They'll not stop when the dog stops. There's a lot of things they do mistake wise. And when you're blindfolded, you are back in the womb. Yep. Day two of training. <laughs> day you're like, fuck, I'm just gonna follow this yeah, thing. That's all you can do. You close your cause you'll see the guys are closing their their eyes are closed. The dog stops and they what's what's happening? What's happening? And then they can tell when the dog gets right back on yeah. track. And they had no influence what whatsoever. And uh they loved it. And the dog's got a little bite. Then I also throw in a a, a blue gun so they have to transition. Sure. Just a bunch of stuff like yeah. that. But it's a neat little, for if you're listening, it's a neat little thing to try um, with your guys. And it does take them all the way back to their beginning roots. And they, they actually handle the leash correctly. I was going to say, you learn how to feel mm -hmm. because you've taken away your sight. Yep. So you learn how to feel that dog through the leash and feel when they're on something and when they're off something versus trying to manipulate it. And so often, because we come into it, like you said, with some kind of information or we think we know the area or whatever the thing is uh, that dictates, well, we know better than the dog. And so many times it is so far from the truth. That's why you have that sensor there. That's why you have that, that, that animal who's far more proficient at, at hunting than you ever are. Um, and again, it falls back to trust your dog. And on the trust your dog thing, uh, one of the things we used to laugh at you know, one of our neighboring agencies, we used to call them the hotspot chasers because whenever the helicopter was up, they would start orbiting. Okay, we have a hotspot in this area and the, their dog would probably be on a good track and then the the uh, flight advisor would say, hey, you know, I have a hotspot, you know, at your two o'clock position 
and the guys would pull their dogs and go to the hot spot. Turns out it's a manhole cover. Turns out it's a hot, it's a rock that's still giving off heat in, in the woods. And this is in, in Florida where, you know, it gets hot and muggy all the time, so you'd have heat, residual heat from an object all day long, and now it's in the evening and it's getting out there. So it got to the point, you know, whenever uh, the guys I worked with would hear that information, they'd come back, unless you have arms and legs, we're following the dog. So unless they could see yeah, some kind of arms right. and legs in that hot spot, they're not deviating off of what their dog's telling them. Um, but a lot of us wanted to, you know, and I say a lot of us, I say meaning us as handlers want to get success. We want to find something. We want to close that, you know, make that catch. And we get, you know, uh, influenced by that helicopter or that radio. Oh, I hear something in the woods over here. And then you stop trusting that dog and go off. So we have a, uh, I have a friend down in Texas, South Texas, uh, the department has a helicopter and they had a, a bank robbery suspect that they had been chasing and they were chasing him from two directions. They chased him into a, uh, a neighborhood that was being built, like the McMansions. Houses were all not done yet, or most of them were done, but there was nobody really living there. So a county had chased him in from one side, and, and helicopter had seen him run into this house, and they had been there, and they knew he hadn't. They'd gone in, and there was nobody living in the house. So they went in with like 10 people and couldn't find this dude. And the helicopter's like, he has not come out of the house. Like, he is in the house. So they call the dog. Dog comes in, and... There's a fucking sergeant there who is like, okay, we need to find the dog. So, or we need to find this guy. You know, he's in here. The helicopter says he hasn't left. They're no, they know he's in the house. There's no basement. They've checked the attic. So they're doing a search. Second floor, the dog starts alerting on a light switch. And the sergeant's like, your dog's stupid. He thinks he's looking for drugs and this, that, and the other. And the handler's like, no. Like, and he tells him again, like he pulls him back and he sends the dog into the room again. The dog goes over and starts fucking up the drywall. And the handler's like, he's in the wall. And they're like, there's no way this guy's in the wall. So turns out in the bedroom next door was like the master bedroom and has all these huge fucking walk-in closets. And the cabinets were mounted, like they have these big cabinets in this closet, and the cabs were mounted. The dude had gotten in the cabinets and there was no drywall behind it. He had gotten in between the wall and the light switch was right at his knee. The dog was <laughs> sniffing at the light switch and they yeah. were like and they ended up having to fucking cut this guy out of the drywall, fuck this house all up. But still, I mean, even not just the handler trusting, but but like other guys there, they're like, Oh, there's no way the dog's right until he bites somebody. And I mean, so yeah, but some guys should shut up because they they love watching the dog bite somebody. So give him a chance, man. Shut, Shut the fuck up, man. What you guys do? <laughs> you like seeing it, it so yeah. why ruin it? Stand there. Yeah. <laughs> the So for those that are, I would say, fairly new in their career, they've only been out there a little bit, or they're in an area where it's not as um, active, where they're able to get uh, enough tracking calls. So in the meantime, what are some of the things that are like, how would you, with some information you give somebody that, Here's some things to work on to learn how to start a track. To things because, of course, the biggest thing is a police officer. Even if you're in search and rescue, looking to start, like, what is something you can do that helps you begin to that process, that starting process? Start as far as training a dog to track, or, yeah, or tra- yeah, so go from like how you would apply the training to then what you're going to do <laughs> when you have that actual call. How right. those two pieces can meld together. Okay. Um, the uh, I, I do like when you're talking about um, casting to get the start. Mm-hmm. You have got to be, um, you can't have a, you should not be seeing your knuckles mm-hmm. on your leash. You mm-hmm. got to have, you got to learn to have soft hands. Mm-hmm. You should really try your best in training wise to track with one hand. Mm-hmm. Get used to um, 
because you're going to have to, you should be climbing up that leash when your dog stops and get rid of all that mm-hmm. loose leash because he's going to turn and go and you're going to bang him yep. and you're going to correct him off of a hot track mm-hmm. and ruin it. Yeah. So the key is be ready. Uh, cops are OCD. We got to get out. We have to, our gloves and we have to strap them exactly mm-hmm. the same, <laughs> left to the right. This, yeah. this, everything. Uh, you remember that kid in Philly? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, my God. A SWAT guy, and he was like, "Yeah, you could tell he had a mental checklist with nine thousand fucking boxes on it." Yeah. <laughs> so you had to get, you have to get everything right, ready to go, mm-hmm. and then, um, then you start, and you're not ready, and then you bang the dog on the leash. You got to be ready to go. The biggest thing is this too: you're gonna get out to to start a track at a place. You are not a cowboy. Mm-hmm. Throw all that fucking leash out the back. Yeah. That you do not carry your, don't carry your leash around in a big lasso. Mm-hmm. As soon as you get out of the car and have that dog hooked up mm-hmm. and get to an area, maybe away from your tire and away from the, throw the leash out there. Cause mm-hmm. what if your dog gets it right there yep. and starts? Mm-hmm. You're gonna fuck them. You're mm-hmm. gonna blow the track. Mm-hmm. Be ready when you put that little clip in your thumb, getting ready to clip it on your, be ready to track. Yep. And um, and then you gotta you gotta climb up and down the leash, up and down. When that mm-hmm. dog stops and that leash goes goes loose, throw all that shit out the back. And yep. I'm not talking pull it. You're not yep. climbing. Just zip it through your hands uh-huh. and move up. And the other big thing that guys do is shut the fuck up. Yeah. If your dog is tracking, stop telling Talking. him track. Yes. And good boy. I agree with that one big time. It's the same thing in detection. I'll hear him go, Sook, 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 Sook. Oh like, my you're, God. You're good. You told him once. I yeah. think he's got it. He does. He's, you sound yeah. like Charlie. You sound like the pre teacher from Charlie Brown. Shut the fuck up. The, uh, one of the things that my guys do is because I let them work nights. So I give you two exercises that my guys do to maintain um, tracking. One works if you've got like a public works area that's completely fenced in and it's late and nobody else is there. So when we do door popper exercises, I teach the dogs to go find the handler. Uh, first thing, like don't bite the first thing that comes out of the, you come to like, so um, some of our guys will lay a track where they can see the dog and they're within sight of the, or within radio of the uh, car. So the popper works. They'll hit the popper, the dog will hop out and look for the debt handler and then immediately start looking for him, start tracking. So he tracks up to you, you play tug and you do some obedience, you let him go to the bathroom. Um, another one, there is a uh, a place that's kind of close to us in Tulsa that has a um, they have shift work, so they have three shifts that rotate through. So people get out of shift at like two o'clock in the morning, and they walk out to their cars and the parking lots. And it's got multiple parking areas. Um, I have a friend that'll sit out there and work on paperwork and stuff and wait until somebody that's parked in an isolated area will um, come get to their car, and he knows like where the track starts. And it's a varied terrain, and they'll track a known track on, of an unknown person with a known termination point that's gonna not going to have anything, and then they'll reward the dog once the dog gets... Because I want them to see what it looks like when the dog comes out of odor. Like People get picked up by cars all the time, like especially if you're chasing somebody that's familiar with the area. And they'll do that four or five times a week. And those are phenomenally successful teams um, that do that stuff. Um, in fact, I talked to a kid from the New York State Police uh, that did the popper exercise. He has a huge... Malinois that bites hard as shit. And he goes into this like, it's like a, it's an area where they do like water treatment. 
but there's nobody there at night. He's there like three o'clock in the morning. And the dog has the ability to track gravel and grass and asphalt. And there's a couple of streams he can hop through. And so, but that dog, he's been super successful on tracks and that's how he maintains it. So, yeah, no. And, and you bring up another point when we, uh, it's another kind of crossover between detection and tracking is your, your mixtures or variations. So in, in the detection world, it's, getting dogs used to the mixtures of odors because many times things are have all different kinds of cutting agents or mixtures or there's combinations of odors. Well, tracking is very similar. Get the dog used to the different surfaces. You know, If you're always on grass or always on dirt and then all of a sudden you've got to go through an, an area with asphalt or pavement or whatever, or it's more uh, urban setting, you, your dog's not going to be as proficient at that. So once you've got that foundation, varying it up, getting that dog used to the terrain feature changes and, and how to navigate that and how to problem solve how odor is different on one versus the other one. And of course, yeah, it's easy to go at, at night, go find early morning, go find that grass field where you can see your footsteps and do all this kind of tracking. But then you're uh, holding the dog back from getting used to understanding how odor is different on the other surfaces that they may face. Or like you brought up grass that's three feet high. You know, I, I can't tell you how many times, uh, in Florida, that the guys I'd work with would be, you know, in the worst, crappiest, swampiest conditions, vines, you know, holding them back, and you know, I'm falling behind as best I can with them. It's a shit show trying to get through that some stuff, but the dog gets through it way easier than we do, and then we're holding the dog back. And if you haven't exposed a dog to how to navigate odor and all those things, and then deal with all the crap that we're doing to it, it's just going to end up being more problematic. So while they're on tracks, and again, this can go to either one of you guys. What are some things to do while you're on the track? I would say both keeping a tactical mindset as well as things you can do to help your dog out, uh, maybe slowing it down for a second. You know, the, There's a thing I'll cover in a second, but I want to hear you guys' point of view um, that helps you kind of regauge yourself and know what you're, on, you know what you're doing. Um, you know, I call things look, listen, and feel, but what, you know, go ahead and give me something that you guys do during that middle stage of that track. So, um, and here in a little bit, I'll go over a uh, a thing that I kind of I didn't de- I guess I developed it um, a track when you're teaching young dogs how to track or new dogs how to mm-hmm. track, and it does it does in and of itself slow dogs down. Um, and and here's the big important thing: don't run. No running with tracking dogs. Mm-hmm. If your dog, oh, he, it's the only way he works. Bullshit. Mm-hmm. No running. Mm. You're going to blow turns. You're going to blow it. That dog will run your ass to Utah Mm -hmm. if you let him. (laughs) Um, Just just dig in. Know when he's tracking. Mm -hmm. Because the dog's only doing one of three things. Tracking, looking for the track, or Mm -hmm. fucking off. Mm -hmm. So you should know the difference. Mm -hmm. And uh, so when he's tracking, get in there. um, Let him do his thing. Uh, don't talk to him. That's a big thing. Look, listen, and feel. Yeah. Listen for that rub, that rustling. Mm-hmm. Know what the wind is doing. Mm-hmm. I, I can't tell you mm-hmm. I, anything more important than that, in my opinion, is understanding what the wind is going to do. If you're a trainer, set up tracks for your guys that aren't difficult, but maybe are a horseshoe mm-hmm. when the wind is going a specific yep. direction, and yep. then ask them to tell you what they should see on the track, yep. what what it's going to look like. Is he going to cut this edge? Mm-hmm. This one's going to be a pretty... And make them 90-degree turns, mm-hmm. which nobody does, but yeah. make it 90-degree turns, and then you tell me what to expect to see out of the dog, mm-hmm. and then when they can relay that back to you, um, that's makes it very strong for them. But one of the things I do when we're talking about uh, in the middle of the track type thing, like when we're doing training, um, everybody, you need to go back to basics 
often with tracking where you know where you know where the track is, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. You definitely should be doing unknowns, but where you know where it is, and then work on your dog's parameters. Um, I had a, I had a guy one time say, "I go, well, how'd that go?" Because I was watching somebody else. He goes, "Well, he went pissed. He went thirty feet over there, piss on that." And I go, "Why did you let him?" Yeah. You you have a thirty foot leash, awesome. You need to be mm-hmm. using long lines, guys. Mm-hmm. You cannot be tracking on ten foot. No. That's just dumb. <laughs> um, thirty foot line. He doesn't need thirty feet. Mm-hmm. You know the track is right here. Yeah, the track is running from south to north. Why is he thirty feet off to the east when the wind isn't pushing it? It's not yeah. gale force winds. Yeah. So I tell people every once in a while go back to a straight track where, um, or even maybe an S turn, and if that dog goes to pick his head up, ah. ah, ah Mm-hmm. Track and it gets back good, and then I, I, and I I like to try to keep them in the meat, so to speak. Okay. And if the if the track is going from south to north and the wind is blowing from left to right, you should expect him to work from the middle over to the right. Mm-hmm. Understand exactly where it's going. Don't he does not need if you run a straight track. Do not let your dog make ninety degree turns in the middle of the track. Mm-hmm. He's fucking off. Mm-hmm. You didn't go that way. Mm-hmm. So don't let him. So mm-hmm. those are a lot of things you got to dial that dog back in because the dog gets bad habits from you. Sure. What you allow him to get away with, I sure. should say. Sure. I was going to say that, but no, I guess I'll add something else. <laughs> <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Exet Canine. Xset Canine possesses a broad range of unique expertise in canine training and handling with applications both in scientific and operational capacities. Xset Canine also specializes in third-party independent canine certifications, assessments, and validations for both U.S. government and private business. Their staff understands individual requirements and is proficient in providing optimal canine solutions. Their team has active DOD secret and Department of Homeland Security sensitive security information security clearances. We pride ourselves on upholding the highest standards of integrity, discretion, and professionalism. Also at Xset Canine is the TAD device or the training aid delivery device. Xset Canine is proud to introduce the first commercial product, the training aid delivery device created by U.S. Army and is designed by canine trainers and scientists. The TAD can bring your canine training to the next level. The design considerations ensure all components of the TAD are NASA outgassing compliant. It's inert, it's highly compatible with most training aids. It's rugged enough for daily use and training. Cleaned according with EPA standard methods. Capable of even being decontaminated and deodorized of human scent and any other environmental odors. The TAD device is an awesome device. I have seen it firsthand. It's a product that allows your training aid to be protected, but it allows it to off-gas the target odor that's inside it without being contaminated with outside scents. So there's a membrane that allows odor to get out, but not odors to get in. So I can tell you firsthand by seeing it, this is a great device. This is a great company. If you get a chance, go visit their website, Xset Canine. That is spelled www.excetk, the number nine, dot com. Again, www.excetk, number nine, dot com. The website will also be listed in our show notes and also in our social media feed. 
Top Dog Police Canine Training and Consulting, Canine Supervisors Course. This class will offer you the best outline of information you will find in any supervisor course throughout the country. Their instructors will teach you from experience and have the resumes to back it up. You will see the training in the following areas. Canine Legal Update, Supervisor Legal Update, Handler Selection, Problem Handlers, Canine Selection, Canine Unit Pros and Cons, Why Do Canine Units Fail, SWAT versus Canine, Liability versus Reality, Critical Incident Review, Canine Unit Record Keeping, Class Scenarios with a Hands-On Approach, and then Canine Deployment Reviews. These two instructors, Ron Cloward, who is retired lieutenant from Modesto, and Bob Eden, the one many of you guys know from the International Canine Conference, from the CATS program for record keeping. Both of these gentlemen have a vast level of experience, especially when it comes to managing, supervising canine programs. They are well diverse in their experience with agencies throughout the United States that they've helped or consulted with. Let these individuals help you by you attending their canine supervisor's course. To receive more information, just go to their website, topdog97.com, T-O-P-D-O-G-9-7.com, and look up the supervisor course information. We will be hosting one in October in Las Vegas. Uh, We'll have some details to follow, and that will be posted also on social media. Again, if you get a chance, check out Canine Supervisor's Course, hosted by Top Dog Police Canine and Consulting. This episode is brought to you by Silver State Canine. Silver State Canine, located in fabulous Scent City, Las Vegas. Silver State Canine is a premier education and training facility. We understand many of you, however, can't get to Las Vegas. So, Silver State Canine has created our mobile classroom. We come to you. We now offer many of the classes and seminars we've held in Las Vegas, but now we can do it at your location. Some of the classes that we offer are our canine cognition class. Utilize these tests that we show you to help you pick a better dog, or if you already have your dogs, use these tests to understand your dog better. Do they have strong memory? Are they a problem solver? This information is vital to help you train your dog better. We also offer our detection through cognition class. If you're a detection dog handler, whether it be professional and or nose work, this class is a must. We give you information that you can apply that is based on science and communication so that way you can enhance your training based on cognition. We also offer our problem solving through cognition. Again, taking these cognitive tests, applying them to your training will help you problem solve some of the many common issues that are out there. In addition to that, we have our science of odor class. We also have our explosive identification and safety class. For anybody, whether you're a sport enthusiast or you're professional, we have our search strategy classes. These classes help you come up with a methodology based on practical and proven methods to help you enhance your search strategies when deploying or putting your dog through a trial. 
We offer these classes and many more. For further information, please contact us at Ford, F-O-R-D, at SilverStateK9.com. That's Ford at SilverStateK, the number nine, dot com. So, you know, as a handler, you know, we had Don Blair. We talked to Don Blair yesterday. That's the second time. The guy's a ninja. Um, so, you know, one of the things that he talked about was making sure that the handler and the dog have very clear roles in what they're doing. So when we're tracking, like in detection work, if you're a narcotics handler, you know, or even explosives handler, you know, you're searching finite shapes. So the dog is used to running a line of cars and they're not finding fucking odor well, explosive dogs might, but with the exception of route clearance dogs, you know, you're finding them in these structures or in these things, right? So you're going shape to shape. In fact, my partner calls it when we move off of imprinting, we move into shapes, teaching them, you know, where they're highly, most highly likely to be successful or highly productive areas or whatever. Tracking is no different. So as a handler, Eric said, you know, you want to make sure that you set the dog up for success. Know what the, know what the wind is doing. So as a handler, you're like, look, I'm here driving, I'm here making sure that I'm putting this dog in the correct spot where we're most likely to have the highest chance of success. So as we're moving through the track, through the middle portion of it, as a handler, I'm telling my guys, you need to constantly be evaluating. What information do you have? Are you chasing somebody you know? Are they from the area? Are they not from the area? If they're not from the area, they're more likely to bed down and wait until you leave. If they are from the area, they're more likely to run as far and as fast as they can to get as much distance between you as they can until somebody can pick them up, whether it's the old lady, whether it's a friend, or or and they're on their fucking cell phone. So you know, you're looking for the path of least resistance. So you want to trust the dog, but you also want to make sure that they're what you're seeing is what is should make sense to what you're doing. If you don't know who you're chasing or if you don't know what you're looking for, you're like, all right, you know, this doesn't make sense. If somebody has an option to take a super fast route or take a route that is not real, you know, they're hoping to hang you up and to, to cause you time. But, and then at that point too, noticing when the dog is giving you final indicators or proximity alerts or whatever it is in closing in, but just like you know, we were talking about at the beginning of this, like reading the dog is of the utmost importance. We need to know, like Eric said, when he's checking negatives, where he's, we know he's not. Constantly evaluating the terrain, constantly evaluating the environmental conditions, and constantly evaluating what the dog is doing. If you're lucky enough to have backup with you, you need to be communicating with them. And, I, and the one thing that I say in the HRD seminars all the time is you're a fucking canine handler, handle the dog. You're not a canine announcement maker. You're not a fucking shooter and a, I was like if you've got guys there with lethal let them worry about that you run the line you run the dog and so you're constantly communicating he's here he's here we're moving this direction make sure everybody keep their eyes out if you start getting final closing indicators proximity whatever everybody who wants to call it then start giving announcements start having your guys give announcements once the dog hears that hopefully what we want is for somebody to either a give up or b make a mistake and break a stick or do something so that we give the dog another data point and then it's fucking cowabunga time but setting the dog up for the highest likelihood of success in an area that's going to be successful is the handler's job. Dogs don't understand any of that shit. They just understand, I got to go find odor, go bite guy. Like, that's their job. And we can't find them. And we can't bite them if we can't find them. But their jobs fundamentally is a location tool. So we teach them to find shit and bite people. That's their job. And our job is to put them in an area where they're most likely to be successful. Yeah. No. And one of the things that uh, this was a really old salty canine guy uh, that I got to learn from. He was really, really good. And it was the area, uh, the city of Sanford. 
and Sanford, Florida, the whole Travon Martin area and all that kind of stuff. And he was a handler back in those days, back in the 80s and early 90s. And that guy was a busy canine handler, but he he was actually a really good instructor. And we became friends, and I would follow him on. This is back, gosh, I think I was like 18. So I would be like a little track layer for those guys and then follow them on tracks and learn. So I remember one time, I was with him, and he was doing a track. And every so often, depending on what's going on, he'd down the dog. And he downs the dog, and he kind of sits back, and he's like, he's like, I'm going to teach you something. He goes, here's what I do. He's like, I call it look, listen, and feel. I know he's on the track, but I'm going to down him for a second. He goes, I want to look at him, see where his head's doing. I want to listen, because this guy is probably could be hearing us coming, and he might move when he doesn't hear me moving anymore. So as, as I stop, I'm listening to hear if I hear, like you said, bushes moving or something happened or a door closed or something going on. He goes, in the last part, feel, I'm feeling the wind. He goes, and then right before I tell the dog to souk again, take off on his track, he goes, I'm looking at his, the, the ears and the, and the nose. And he goes, that dog will never lie to you. When I say track, his nose, will, he'll pick his head up and take off the direction that he's got the scent. He goes, so if I happen to be at the point when I downed him, maybe I, I could be a few feet past a turn. He goes, right when I tell him to track, he'll turn his head the direction he wants to go and off he goes. Because that, that stop that I gave that dog gives that dog a chance to even recalibrate itself. You know, because they get wound up, and he goes, and he had some strong dogs. And he said, you know, this, that stop at that point in time just kind of recenters everything, kind of get back into your environment, pay attention to things, get your head back in the game. Because, like you said, some dogs will just take you going and going and going. And if you don't take that pregnant pause there and, and reevaluate what's going on for a second, you either walk up to your death or you lose an advantage that you could have had. So uh, that was something I never forgot, and I'd always pass that on, and, and like some of the things you brought up. And that's stuff you get from being out there as that cop and, and you know, getting your ass handed to you sometimes or missing stuff or doing whatever, because how many times have we been on tracks and you pass within three feet of the person just because the wind just happened to change and done something different, and then all of a sudden the dog hooks back. I can't tell you how many times I've looked over and seen feet and been like, oh, shit. Right there, you know, and, and the dog's doing its thing because it's just following the odor at that time, but it's just not in their face where the, you know, so the dog will hook back. And a lot of times we talked about no matter what, the dog's always going to come in on the downwind side of that person. It's just how it's going to be. So if unfortunately things change, the environment's slightly different or whatever occurs, you got to be paying attention. You got to be looking, like you said, paying, you know, working that dog, but being cognizant of the things around you. So... Yeah, that's the thing with there's a. I think there's a little bit of um, over reliance on proximity alerts mm -hmm. on tracking um, for people that train a lot of proximity alerts. Um, if the if the dog is tracking and there's a decent wind at his back, he's mm -hmm. going. He's not going to do it. Mm -hmm. He's he's not. He's you better be ready for him to head snap and turn around. Yes, like, yeah, Shit. many times I've seen that. You know, so, so but often. that's why you shouldn't be tracking up his ass. Mm -hmm. Give him some leash, mm -hmm. and uh, so for that exact reason, mm -hmm. give yourself. I mean. 30 feet might not save your life, but it might. Sure. You never know. Yeah. Um, I mean, we had a, we had a, recently had a bite where uh, there's a tailwind, and dog walked right up on him and was like, oh, what's up? Whack. And, I mean, the handler was like, I didn't even know he was there until the dog was on him. So, but had a tailwind, strong tailwind. It's Oklahoma. The wind comes sweeping down the plains in the state song. So, uh, yeah, they were it's, not. It's hot, it's hot, wet, and, it's hot, windy, and flat. And so, but yeah, I mean, that you're 100% right. I mean, the over reliance on that, I think um, there are certain situations where the, the dog doesn't have the, doesn't have the opportunity to do that. The conditions don't warrant or don't allow it. And 
it's kind of like that that doesn't necessarily always have to be in the behavior chain for it to be successful. So yeah, it is what it is, I guess. But yeah. So how do you guys incorporate articles? Articles, you know, um, obviously are things that we're going to encounter many times on a track because, you know, so many times, you know, in my experience, they're, they're ditching shit half the time anyway, or it fell off because of the their panic of their run. Um, so with that said, you know, we, training usually incorporates articles. What do you guys do, do you know, discuss some of the tips that you guys have for article training? So I train in, in Ohio articles as part of the patrol certification or mm-hmm. a special purpose, I think mm-hmm. it's called. And um, <clears throat> so what, what happened was we would do uh, our state certifications and articles is its own thing. Yep. But the state started allowing you to put articles on the track so you could okay. kill two birds with one stone. They didn't care. They, yeah. It was up to the evaluator. Yeah. We were doing it really for that reason, to speed up the, the process mm-hmm. um, of, of the articles. But what we noticed is, well, A, that's mostly what you're going to find mm-hmm. is, is going to be um, your shit that you lost, yeah. your partner's shit that <laughs> yeah. he lost, yeah. evidence, uh-huh. ski masks, yep. uh, you know, screwdriver, all kinds of shit. Yeah. But um, so we put the articles on the track to, A, get them used to finding this out in the mm-hmm. wild, so mm-hmm. to speak. But if you have a um, a dog that really fucking like you can barely keep up with him, articles is a great way to slow him down. Mm-hmm. Put a bunch of them out. Sure. Track track yep. down. Yep. Track track down. Yep. And reward him on those with food. Yep. I was gonna say, is, do you have food on the article? Or do you bring it up after the dog? I bring it up after. after okay. Um, sometimes I'll, I'll do it when I, mean, I newer it's dog. It's an or old something. school Schutzen thing. Yeah. You know, you put it up underneath it. I've yeah, done yeah, that yeah. before. Yeah. Um, but I if you. And I used to pay all those with ball. Mm-hmm. Well, then you, you, get, get, you get it from them, and they're <laughs> gooned out, man. Yeah. And so you're fake throwing it, and you're yeah. hiding in your pocket. Yeah. And, like, no, no, what the ball? And they're like, yeah. and rip you off to the uh-huh. next one. So pay some food, and off you go, track mm-hmm. whatever. Um, that's how we do our articles. I don't know about you, Ted. Uh, we do it that way, too. Uh, I teach articles independently, but I will use articles um, during scenario-based training to manipulate drive state and to... Um, help the handlers get the dogs back under control. One of the favorite things that I do, and to slow them down, so uh, tracking is kind of a mid-level, kind of like detection is kind of like a mid-level drive state thing. Building searches for a dual-purpose dog, definitely not a mid-level drive state thing. So we have a deal where we'll track to a house, we'll make an announcement, we'll do a building search, and how many of you have doing blank building searches and none of you are going to say me? So the dog thinks he's going to nuke somebody. He goes in, there's nothing in there. It comes to find out they have jumped out the window. Then you have to reacquire the track. I'll do articles at that point right there just to get the dog back under control and give him a second to kind of cap and burn off a little bit. So we reward with the ball, give the handler a second to get him back under control, then pick up the track again, go to an area search, maybe get a proximity alert, maybe do whatever. Um, But articles are a way that I use for skills transitions too. So we may do an area search that comes with a bite, handler goes in, then pulls the dog out, then immediately has to go to an article recovery and then to a detection problem and I give them three minutes to do it. So you, I'm, I use articles to manipulate drive state um, and the guys that are really good at it, it shows like because they they know all the tricks to get the dog out of that. And I always do the bite first for dual purpose dogs because clearly they're fucking assholes, and they all they want to do is bite people. So um, that's how we use it. And it's such a 
for me, it helps reinforce, especially with young dogs, that I want you to find human odor. Um, Scott's big deal is multiple surfaces. So we use plastic, metal, um, wood, leather, and he's got five, and something else. He's going to shoot me if he hears this. So there's a fifth odor that, or a fifth um, article that Scott will do. And then some of the times, some of the stuff with the really advanced dogs I've done, um, discrimination, scent discrimination. So uh, five identical articles that I know are clean, one has odor on it, and that's the one I want the dog to find. So we do that, at, and I've done that and combined with some of the area searches. Isn't that too, a Mondial so. Ring thing? Yeah, the they little, have that the, too. Yeah, the some of the different. Actually, I think even correct me, I could be wrong, but I know more than just one. I mean, Mondio, French, possibly, or or NVBK. One of those other ones also has that identify the article based on the uh, initial one they were given or the handler's odor. Yeah. The uh, so one of the things you brought up a few minutes ago, Eric, was hot tracks. I, I had hot tracks and hot legs that we utilize. Uh, speak about that and, and the importance of having that hot track or hot leg in the track. Um, what do you mean? So like for, like for what we would do on what I call a hot track for us or a hot leg was the track was initially laid out to a certain point. Let's say person went out X amount of distance, made a turn and kind of bedded down. Mm-hmm. We start the track. They now know we start the track. They know we're closing in. They move and they okay. go to another gotcha. area because it's that whole predator, you know, prey type uh, activity where the prey knows it's, you know, we're getting close and they're trying to get away from you and they're making. But that what uh, I had seen quite often is with the uh, that hot leg, the dog's intensity kicks up because now the odor is fresher again or mm-hmm. stronger. And it, like you talked about, you'll see the changes in behavior that are similar to oh, he's nearby, but maybe he's not. He was just he sat here for 10 minutes in his move. So you get that circling, you get that, okay, he was here somewhere, but stuff that you you guys do to do that. Yeah, it's, um, there's, you gotta, you gotta throw all kinds of variables. I used to have a guy that was in the training group that used to piss me off because he would chew and spit on his fucking tracks. (laughs) All the time, like, fucking spitting on the track. And then one day I was like, eh, that's not bad. Mm-hmm. It's it's okay, and I'll piss on tracks. Too. Yeah, so yeah, I've done that too. I've, yeah. I've stopped because I got to pee. Because so. because and that's what happens. The, the the prey that are being chased can't help the physiological reaction of being mm-hmm. in panic mode. Makes you take a shit or piss on something, and they and they will do that. And I I've seen it personally on real stuff, but that's a yeah right a natural reaction. So it's funny because you mentioned about the uh, walking back, and then boom. Shit over here. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually do that a couple times a year as a scenario. Mm-hmm. I wait. We send the the guy off to lay the track, and when the handler takes off, we take another decoy and we mm-hmm. stick him in the across the street in the wood line, upwind. Mm-hmm. And then you got your toy. You're you're fucking token and joking on the way yeah. back. Whack, uh, hopefully, yeah. we see yeah. your dog go over there. Yeah. And what are you you're gonna pull him off more than mm-hmm. likely? Oh yeah. Like, what is he doing? Um, but uh, on the opposite, and and I'll. I'll have Ted talk about his hot tracks, but the mm-hmm. opposite of the hot track is what I work more on. Okay. Is we, he had to have gotten in a car. Had true. to have gotten into a car. <laughs> he had to have gotten into a car, uh-huh. which is probably true. True, yeah. So but, what? But mm-hmm. do you know when your dog is absolutely out of odor, when there's mm-hmm. nothing mm-hmm. for him to find? Mm-hmm. So what I'll do is I'll have the guy lay a track uh-huh. and then someone come and pick him up in a car. Yeah. yep. And and it's okay if the handler knows where it's at. Yeah. You tell me exactly the minute when you know. Give your dog a chance. Try mm-hmm. him across the street. Try yep. him over there. When can you tell for sure? Yep. And you're not guessing for sure when yep. he's out. And who was it from San Bernardino County that we talked to, the SAR lady? Uh, 
she's fucking awesome. Yeah. Shit. Um, what was her name? But she, I feel bad. Sorry if she's listening to her. I really apologize. <laughs> but she, she made a good point too. And the, the guy, the guy in uh, DC told me the same thing. Mm-hmm. Teach a behavior to your dog if you want mm-hmm. to tell you when he's out of odor. Yeah. He used to teach his bloodhound to come and jump on him. Okay. And I'm like, I don't know. I, that could be slippery slope. It depends sure. on yeah. what the reward for the dog is. Mm-hmm. If there is any, mm-hmm. if you're like, ooh, 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 and mm-hmm. pet him all up, he's yeah. going to just start doing that. Sure. Um, but you got to know for sure when your dog is out of mm-hmm. odor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, for hot tracks for us, I, I kind of look at it as, you know, when we start out, um, the tracks are hot. Like everybody knows where everything's at. We know where the handler's at. So just like in detection work, um, I manipulate odor thresholds to increase difficulty and then time. So everyone knows as we age tracks, they get more difficult because odor dissipates. So if you look at a track, like the most difficult one would be a tailwind, hard surfaced, aged for several hours, hot as shit, and I run. Right, so versus walking into. The, I dare you. How about well, that? Yeah, like, <laughs> Come to Vegas. Uh, I'm not gonna fucking run across. Yeah, run and run across a blacktop at 110 degrees. Yes. Yeah. No, it sucks. People will do it though. Yeah. Uh, but you know, and then the easiest version of that is the opposite of that. So it's where there's no turns, there's nothing. Like I'm not trying to evade. I'm not trying to do anything. Um, so I use them to reinforce, like Eric said, go back to basics and reinforce good behaviors. Um, and, and I do the same thing with detection work and in building searches as well when I'm trying to teach handlers the difference because dogs will solicit in tracking too. They will solicit because they're looking for odor. They're trying or they're like, well, fuck it. I'm just going to give up because it's not here. So once we start getting into the aging is when stuff starts getting funky and that's when it starts really like, so I use hot tracks to teach handlers like this is what it looks like. Just like we'll use a shitload of odor before I go to flow, before I go to load or threshold stuff for detection stuff, like where the dog, I mean, he's yanking your ass to the car and it's hitting him right in the face. And I mean, so it's painfully obvious. You get a head snap, you get the whole change of behavior, ears come together, mouth closes, start sniffing, tail wags, the whole thing, right? So I use those to teach those, to teach the handlers that too, because the dogs, by the time they show up with me, like they're doing, you know, hour and twenty minute age tracks, and you know, with crosswinds and surface changes. So you do a five minute age track with one turn, and the handlers are like, "Oh, this is easy." I'm like, "Hold on, Turbo. Like, let's <coughs> let's wait a second. We'll we'll I'll show you something." So, yeah, yeah. No, and, and you you both brought up an important thing, and I do the exact same thing with detection dogs. Is when there's no odor present, can you read that? Because so often in detection work, we put hides out. And then handlers are good at reading their dog when they have odor, but so many struggle to, to read their dogs when there's no odor present. And the dogs tell you there, there is significant behavior cues that there's nothing here. I don't know what else to do. I'm going to keep going around this place. What do you want? And tracking is very similar. So there's a funny thing that, I, that Scott did, Mr. fucking Green Beret Ninja guy. Um, so we were talking about the Nort test. Mm-hmm. And Scott was like, you want to see something funny? Watch this. So we had some dogs come in, and um, we set the paint cans up. For like three days, they were like sniffing paint cans, right? And they were always finding stuff in paint cans. So we had four control, or six controlled paint cans, and we knew were clean. And all I did was walk around holding a pen in my hand all day, just rubbing it like I'm, you can't see what I'm doing right now. I've been rubbing a pen. And I dropped this in a paint can, and the handlers were presenting. Every single, and I hadn't handled odor that day at all. 
every single dog gave as kind of a soft alert and change behavior on that because it was anomalous and it wasn't target odor. But the handler's like, oh, you must have touched odor. I was like, nope, been walking around my handsome pockets all day. So, you know, it's very much one of those like when he's not in odor and the dog also thinks that there should be something there. He's like, well, shit, there's six cans and this one's got something that's different. So I'm going to go with that. And, and they don't know how to be right. At that point, there's no odor there. They don't know how to be right. They don't know what to do unless you prepare them for that. Yep. So that's a big thing, and I'm glad because that's a big thing to bring up that doesn't get talked about enough. Yeah. So let me ask you this because uh, we, we uh, said a word earlier. Do you guys um, use one command for everything nose-related? Mm-hmm. If it's souk, is it souk for tracking? Is it souk for finding the man? Is it souk for finding dope? Yeah, no, that's a it's a great question. No, and most of the, everything I've always taught, I have a separate whatever task. So, if the handler had chosen souk for detection, then that's what souk was, and then track would be something else. Would it be track or find the man or whatever they chose to do, because we already know uh, through behavioral science stuff and dog and cognition the stuff I'm doing now. Making associations to a task is highly important, you know. And sometimes maybe the association is something physical. So in, in tracking dogs, some people put a harness on every time. So then that that ritual signals the dog, hey, this is what's going on. It's the whole condition stimulus, condition response, that whole kind of thing. So whether it be uh, a word or an action, uh, something generally signifies, especially dogs that are dual purpose, they have all these different tasks they have to do, uh, it helps. Now, obviously, some dogs are very smart and can figure it out contextually. When they get out of the car or out in the field or whatever, they start automatically, like, let me start looking from the ground. You know, is there a track? Are we tracking right now? What's going on? Other dogs, if you got you got the lights on, they got the car in front of you, they're already dragging it towards the car because they know it's, it's time to go search that car. Um, so no, it, I think it's 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 extremely important for uh, teams to create either a ritual or a you know controlled stimulus. So that way, the dog knows, it gives them the best. Especially those newer dogs just starting off, because we already know the veteran dogs. After a while, they they know what the gig is based on what we do. Um, but in general, uh, by creating that, that helps. The but it's again, it goes at the same time. Uh, I. We don't give enough credit to the dog on how well it learns and makes an inference out of things. And having that inference, you know, uh, you can get out of the dog out of the car sometimes, not even say a word, and they'll if there's a track there, they just start going. They they can figure it out without those things. Uh, but the the part that I look at and, and get handlers to understand is it's more or less for them. And then their routine to sometimes it's to slow things down too because one of the best lessons I learned from one of the veteran guys in Florida was there to be a hot call and, and all the handlers would take off and my friend Hank is here from Orlando and, and it was with one of his old senior guys and we're all out training doing whatever and a, a good call comes out and then three or four people just take off to go to the call and this old guy is sitting there and he just sits back listens to the radio listens to the radio and I'm like oh you're not you're not going to the call he goes. Oh, I will. Once it gets to a certain point, and he's like, "I'm going to let all those guys expend all that energy in the beginning because it always changes." He goes, "By the time they get there, three other things have already happened, and they don't know it yet." So he let it kind of transpire. And then he gets his car, and he drives off. So I'm sitting there with another guy who's not doing it, and he's hanging out with me. We listen to the radio. We hear his call sign, Kilo 92. He, he gets out there. I mean, within five minutes of him saying he's on scene, clear traffic contact. No. That calm, and we're like, he, he got the guy. And then you hear the other handler, Kilo 96, Kilo 92, where are you at? Nothing. He's like, go ahead, roll rescue. We got this. Oh, I'm about, uh, you know, however far it was yeah. south of where he was at. 
uh, I'm, I'm tracking towards your location right now. Yeah, right. <laughs> and it was just, he was smart enough to kind of let things transpire, things happen, develop, and then he went into an area put his dog on the ground and within no time at all had him because he he had his ritual, he has routine, but he knew what he was doing and he didn't get so, you know, gung ho and and slow not slow himself down that he was able to work it out without any extra being panicked or adrenaline dump and all that stuff and forget his basics. He just let everything happen, got his hooked his stuff up and off he went and his dog made the apprehension and he come back all and the, other, the younger handler's like, damn it, man, what the hell? Why didn't you even call her? He's like, well, I was letting you track. You know, I yeah. let you do your thing, you know. Um, but, of course, <laughs> that panic, let it, if he had let it slow down, he could have had a better opportunity and, and, and worked smarter, not harder, at the end of the day on that one. So, turns, I'll, I'll, I'll hit that before we get to the last spot, the last spot here. With turns, uh, that's a con- there's a lot of things that, that people deal with, um, when they are uh, trying to navigate that that aspect of, of, of training, what are what are some of the things that you guys do when it comes to turns that uh, can be a helpful hint for somebody? Turns when I start out, I make it super obvious. Um, so, like you said a minute ago, uh, oh yeah, what is that? Sorry, Ted Dodge just walked in. Um, so. Uh, you know, I'll make it super obvious. So like Eric was saying, um, I don't ever usually do 90s. I'll start like a 45, but you talked a minute ago about stopping and um, like I'll stop and stand there and I'll like disturb the ground a little bit if I have to and I'll wait, I'll count to 30. You know, I may actually take, give the dog a little bit of a chance. This is like very beginning stages. Um, I may even spit and step in it and drag my foot a little bit and then take off in the other direction. So what I want the dogs to do is learn to start checking negatives. So when he goes, if he continues on, it's like shit. And then he'll go out and circle back around and pick it back up um, <clears throat> rather than trying to immediately. And a lot of times what I'll see is though, when I start making sharper and sharper turns, the dogs will immediately go out. And especially if it's one of the dogs that we raised and the puppy box thing, then they'll hit that edge and, and they'll immediately start looking because it, it doesn't make sense for it to terminate there like it does on a road or whatever else. Um, when we do turns on hard surfaces, I do what Eric does, um, where uh, I'll find a depression in the concrete, I'll find a manhole, I'll find something that will ho- hold more odor, um, whether it's a curb, something that is either out of the wind or out of the heat if I can, and do a turn there so that they have a chance to have some pooling. But I'll just create a pool more than anything else. So big hot spot to then make, to make it like a separate leg of the entire track. So you're kind of connecting the dots. Yeah, when, so I'll talk about when I start turns. I, I, I'll start doing, you know, everything straight line, then I'll start doing a, like an S pattern kind of. But, um, when I'm teaching the dogs turns per se, I, I kind of make it not hard to where we follow a curb line, like on the grass around a corner, a curb line. Cause some of them will still try to go straight. Yeah. And then, um, I, I let them know it's okay to to actually deviate and go this way and that way and inside fence lines and things like that. Um, that that's pretty much how I, I teach the turns. And then after that, it's it's just all wind. Yeah, you know. Yep. How the wind, the train features like you just brought up that help. The so now we've done we've done the beginning, the middle, and now the end. When we come to the end. What do you guys, uh, there's different philosophies out there when it comes to, you know, a track should always end in a bite or a track should be toy only or food. 
what what's your guys' experience and what's your guys' take on you know how to maximize your training when it comes to the end of the track? So with with new dogs, I start with food um, or a ball, uh, depending. Some dogs don't like to eat, and I'll kind of make them hungry and make them track for food. And they'll track at the end of it. Uh, with puppies, when I'm doing this uh, with my, if you're, we have one of the things on our Patreon page where I, I did my imprinting of one of my puppies, my my current puppy I have now, Hype, uh, on this way. I just make her track me in the backyard and I hide her food. But I know where the wind's coming and everything else. And she'll go out and she'll run. She'll look for where I can't because I have two doors in my backyard. And she'll run to the other door because she knows where I come out. And she'll track me all the way and go straight up to her food. And so... I haven't really done a lot with her. And then when I started like dedicated tracking, she picked up, I mean, within one or two sessions, I mean, she was ripping. So um, at the end, like I'll hide food uh, for patrol dogs. I'll hide balls um, and tell. And this is the whole thing about the proximity alert versus the not. Um, there's such a huge reliance on that. And Eric said it best earlier and you said it too. Like, what does it look like when the dog is not in that odor? So, I teach the tracking separate of that proximity alert or final indicator or whatever everybody's going to call it these days. Um, and I teach that a whole separate way at a separate time. And it's a completely different behavior because it's, it's, it's effectively a reaction to threshold, to odor, to amount of odor. So, um, and I need the dog and, you know, aside from the, the complications that are coming with the dog that always gets a bite at the end of every track. And if you don't get that, then he wants to nuke everybody there. So, um, you know, I'll end it in patrol school um, when the handlers are good at tracking. Towards the end, we in the beginning we'll do area searches independent of tracking. But when I start teaching them closing indicators and proximity alerts, is when I start hiding guys out there, and that's what I use it for. Other than that, I can teach them everything they need to know with a ball out there. I can teach them handling. I can teach them checking negatives. I can teach them surface transitions. I can teach them everything I need to without having the dog in such a high state that he thinks he's going to get a fucking bite all the time. So, and they get to see what it looks like when there's not anything out there. Um, yeah, for me, I, um, I train bite work separately. I only do, and I'm telling you, my guys have more tracks with bites than almost probably almost every unit in the country. Um, and we do not bite on tracking and training twice a year, maybe. And, uh, and that's usually so that we can do a skills transition. We set them up to do the bite work. Um, I've had people say, well, you have to do a bite at the end or your dog will not bite on a track. No, that's fucking stupid. wrong. No, that, that is a hundred percent wrong. wrong. Mm -hmm. Fight me. Right. Yeah. You're in <laughs> correct. What you will do if you do bites on every track is you will create a dog who is not tracking and barely trailing using his eyes, yeah. eyes, yeah. eyes, eyes. It goes predation really fast. Yes. Yeah. Track to a toy. Mm -hmm. I know there's there's other trainers that don't believe it. I'm telling you, you mm -hmm. don't have the data to back up your statements. Mm -hmm. We do. Anecdotes are not data, by right. the way. We get a ton <laughs> of bites on tracks so and do don't mm -hmm. bite on, at training mm -hmm. on tracks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in, in many of the units I've worked with and when I was in Texas with the unit I had, um, you know, our training, you know, like you said, most of it ended with a reward system, toy, food, whatever we, we were doing. And then occasionally, like you said, very rarely, but we'd have a, a contact bite depending on what was going on. And that created balance versus going too far one way or the other. 
Uh, because again, as we all know, some of these dogs are different, and some of these agencies, you know, depending on where you're at, you, they don't even they didn't get to pick the dog. They just got here's your dog, and here's your, what you got. And then as a trainer, you're looking at it, going, okay, well, we need to do this to help that dog out. So you have to be flexible. There was an old saying a, a, a German trainer said to me one time. He goes, "All right, Cameron, I can give you five dogs. If you train one way, you get five different results. If you're flexible and you train." each dog separately, you get one result, the one result you wanted. Mm-hmm. So be flexible in what you're training to that dog versus being one way because those five dogs are different and you'll end up with five different results. So, no, I, I appreciate this good conversation. We, you know, we guys don't get to see each other too often right. except for conferences like this. Um, and we'll have to do another mashup episode at some point. The, uh, uh, but I appreciate your guys' time talking about tracking. Again, this was actually a topic, like I said, at the beginning of the show that I haven't covered so far. I've been into more in the weeds on the science mm-hmm. and, and psychology stuff with detection dogs. But uh, so with that said, you know, other than working dog radio, and if you guys aren't listening to Working Dog Radio, add that to your list of podcasts. Um, how, like you said in the show, you mentioned where you guys are at. What's an easy way for people to fi- to get a hold of you, or they want to ask questions to you guys? How? Do, what's the easy way for for Eric for you, and then Ted for you? Uh, Van S Canine on Instagram, V A N E S S letter K number nine on Instagram. Uh, that's a very easy way. Message I answer every single message. My OCD. He's actually OCD about yeah, it. Yeah, my OCD does not allow me to not answer your <laughs> message. He can't handle the little blue dot being there. I yeah, can't, I can't. I, can't I, I do kind of know that feeling. It's such a brilliant idea putting that stupid number. Psychology, on the, yeah, damn it! Right. I, on the other hand, <laughs> yeah. No, easiest way for me is either uh, email through Torchlight or Working Dog Radio. So it's Torchlight K nine letter K number nine. Uh, info at, and then uh, info at ho- or host at Working Dog Radio is the one for the Working Dog side on Instagram. Uh, Ted underscore Summers and then host at what is it? No, I'm sorry, it's Working underscore Dog underscore Radio. Alicia's gonna fucking kill me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Alicia <laughs> posts all the stuff. We do contests on there. We give stuff away. Um, yeah. Same thing on Facebook. Both of them are on there too. So Torchlight and uh, WDR plus HRD too. Um, I don't run that one. Ray does, but that's got a lot of content too from some of the stuff that we do. But yeah. Yeah. So, HRT Police Canine. Yep. Well, I appreciate the listeners. If you guys have questions you want to send to me, do so at Ford at SilverStateK, the number 9.com, F O R D at SilverStateK9.com. And until the next episode, I'll catch you there. Well, that concludes episode 12. I really hope everybody enjoyed the mashup between myself and the guys over at Working Dog Radio. Uh, I hope the information that you guys were able to take from that is helpful in some way or another. Speaking of education and training and sharing info, um, one of the things that we are doing a whole lot more here at Silver State Canine, you've heard through the advertisements, is our mobile classroom. I understand it's difficult to get to Vegas at times, so I've opened up my schedule to be able to travel out to you. So if you're interested in learning some of the various classes that I teach, such as canine cognition for selection or just getting to know your dog better, or detection using cognition, um, reach out to me, send me an email. These apply to all detection. So whether you're in nose work or whether you're in search and rescue or you're a professional handler working a drug or bomb dog, these things that I cover uh, are based in science and are designed to help you, one, know your dog better and two, work your dog better. So anything I can do to help that, 
in relation to that, I have also started doing webinars. And again, it's another platform to help share the information, at least in that format, so you get to hear it, listen to me talk about these things, and then maybe go apply it. Uh, Or use that as a foundation point to where if I come out to you or you come to Vegas, you already have a head start on the education and kind of get to have a, a foundation there that gives you a leg up when we actually get together and do practical exercises with your dogs. So again, if you're interested, email me. You know the email address, ford at silverstatecanine.com. Again, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and I'll catch you on the next one.